When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. It's time to break the silence and open up the dialogue around the topics of miscarriage and baby loss. No more shame, no more taboo. Let's ditch it for the sake of our children. The ones who are, the ones who will come. And in memory of the ones who never came to be. This is the Worst Girl Gang Ever podcast. Hello and welcome to this week's episode of the Worst Girl Gang Ever. Today we are joined in our virtual studio by Megan Campbell. Hello, Megan. Hi. Welcome. Thank you so much for, for coming. to the Thank show. You. Thank you. We're so pleased to have you on because, um, well, you wrote to us a little while back, didn't you? Telling us a little bit, little bit about your story. And um, yeah, you've been through some awful crap. And um, like you said in your email, this situation sounds like um it's rare but actually it's it's quite common and um you wanted to shed some light on it yeah so it's definitely something that i hadn't appreciated how common it was until actually quite significantly after everything had happened mm-hmm. um so i it's sort of very long story short i ended up joining a fertility support group for the area that i live in um quite a long time sort of after everything had happened on facebook and put a post on there just was looking for a bit of advice um and like i think about four or five people in my local area wrote back and went i've been through this as well mm. i'm you're not the only one and i think fertility issues loss miscarriage all of it can feel really isolating, which is something that you guys are obviously great at making people feel much less alone. Mm. Um, but I think from the perspective of what happened with me, um, I felt really alone because it felt like it was such an unusual scenario. And I kept being told by medical professionals, you know, this is really unusual. We don't normally see this, which probably sort of compounded those feelings mm. a little bit yeah um and made it made it sort of feel even more like well there must be something wrong with me because I'm the only person ever that they've seen that's had this happen so what what's wrong with me what's meant meant that this has happened to me sort of why me I suppose a lot of of loss comes into that sort of why me bracket but um yeah sort of compounded that feeling could you um tell us a little bit about what did happen so um we me and my husband uh one of those really annoying couples where we sort of tried once got pregnant really sort of lucky mm. I suppose or then turned out not so lucky um got sort of went for an early scan because I um I used to work in neonates so I used to deal with a lot of premature babies knew a little bit more than I suppose probably the average person about loss and miscarriage because mm. I'd seen a lot of it 
Um, and from that, really wanted to go for an early scan for a bit of reassurance. So we had this lovely early scan at about eight weeks, was told, oh, everything looks really good. You know, there's a heartbeat there. Um, no reason for any concerns, didn't have any bleeding, anything like that. Uh, went for our 12-week scan, which ended up being slightly late because of the area that we live in. The hospital was running behind with appointments. So I was nearly 14 weeks by the time we went for our 12-week scan. Um, got in for that appointment, sat down. Everyone's going, oh, you know, it's all going to be fine. You've not had any bleeding, anything like that. Um, went in for our scan and heard those horrible words. Mm. Um, I'm really sorry we're not seeing what we're expecting to see. Um had a pretty rough road with that because they said that things had stopped at about eight weeks so it must have been literally days Mm. after we'd been for that early scan um so because it had been so long they were quite concerned about me either sort of having a a natural management or a medical management they were sort of quite keen to intervene quite quickly Mm -hmm. um so that scan was on the Thursday and I went in on the Saturday for a um surgical management under local anaesthetic Mm -hmm. Um, so I was awake, um, which was definitely the right decision for me at that time. But it was n- none of it's a nice experience, I suppose. Um, but that was pretty rough. Why was it done under uh, local? So they offered us both. They offered right. us a DNC under general and they offered us under local. But the local meant I could go home the same day. Um, and I really didn't want to be on a maternity or gynae ward with people going through terminations for for whatever reason or or other loss I kind Mm -hmm. of just wanted to be in my own space yeah um so I think for me the big thing was was wanting to sort of be in and out as quick as I possibly could because it meant that I could deal with things in my own environment rather than being in that sort of clinical environment given the fact that I'm a nurse is pretty terrible really isn't it but just hated being in hospital for any stretch of time I think it makes complete sense (laughs) Why would you want to be there any longer than you need to be? Exactly, exactly. So it was definitely a case of trying to get out of there as, as quick as humanly possible. Mm. Um, so that was that was the Saturday. Um, we actually ended up going to see my parents. They've got a, a holiday home. So we went to see them for a few days over there and just had a bit of a break with them, which was probably really good because I think I would have just curled up in a duvet and tried to block the world out for weeks if I hadn't done that so Mm. that was probably the best thing for me at that time um sort of fast forward a little bit so that was the January um it took me quite a long time for my cycles to come back after that um so we got to sort of end of March and nothing had really happened and they said oh by eight weeks everything will have gone back to normal Mm. um and ended up ringing the GP and felt quite fobbed off, I suppose, because they were like, oh, you know, yeah, we're not worried. If it's been four months, then come back and see us. So effectively, leave it even longer. And we're in this sort of place where desperately thinking about trying again, because we'd kind of got to the space where we were ready to do that and and were sort of just waiting for things to go mm. back and just n- not really any further forward. Megan, did you, um, can I just ask, did you have a regular cycle before that? Has your cycle ever been... Oh, like to the day. fairly clockwork okay, yeah. yeah I have quite long cycles but they're they're pretty sort of consistent I've never had any sort of concern well they they did some investigations a few years prior to that where they thought I might have endometriosis but right. that all came back okay so and why did they do that um, what, there weren't any concerns about what um what um, you I'd been having I had sort of pain during sex for 
probably about two or three years mm. again took quite a long time to get to the point where they actually investigate anything because they mm. kept weren't kept going oh no we'll just we'll do some swabs and if there's no infection then we're not really all that worried um and it took a really good gp who is now my sort of gp that i see quite regularly for anything who was fantastic and was like no we need to do something about this it's been going on for a really long time and and we're not really getting any further forward so I'm going to send you for a scan because I want to know that there's nothing else going on here and that all came back okay they they sort of were quite happy that everything else looked normal so they said look we're not we're not concerned that there's anything going on here we'll we'll leave you um if you want to come back and chat about anything else then obviously do so but I mean at the time it was like okay we're reassured that there's nothing obviously wrong um so so kind of left it at that point um so yeah so my cycles took quite a long time to come back I think it was the April that I sort of first got a period after the it was the very beginning of January and it was towards the very end of April so Mm. it was coming up nearly four months for my cycles mm-hmm. to actually come back to normal um which obviously you do start to worry you think oh is there something wrong pregnancy tests have been negative like they'd asked me to do the three weeks afterwards so they were saying oh there's nothing we can do it's just mm. a case of you've got to wait um then found out in the may that i was pregnant again which was obviously a, a really nice surprise but then sort of tied in with all that really scary what if something goes wrong again yeah um and this time round had quite a lot of pain and some bleeding, which was then even less reassuring. Um, I ended up actually going into A&E early hours of a Sunday night into a Monday morning. To I was about six weeks, I think, at this point to have, because um, I was concerned I might have an ectopic because I had all this pain and this bleeding and it wasn't getting any better. It was getting worse. Went in, um, ended up sitting in A and E for hours, as you do. Um, ended up going up to see early pregnancy gynae, and they did a scan. Said it was too early to see anything, so to come back. Um, went back a week later, and they found that I had an ectopic. Um, so, based on sort of advice by the hospital what they'd said based on all they'd seen they said oh we should probably just remove your tube because the chances are if we try and remove part of your tube and just remove where the pregnancy is then you probably would lose your tube anyway so so we'll remove your tube Megan did your pain and bleeding so, continue in that week where you were the whole time to go back yeah yeah the whole time and and very little no one was really that concerned which I think probably made it even worse because I was sitting there going this there must be something wrong and and no one seems all that worried about it so why and I guess you're also in that limbo where you have a little bit of hope as well so you think yeah everything must be going wrong but people say that bleeding's normal and these pains could just be stretchy pains and you sort of yeah you think it's doomed but there's just that tiny bit of you that thinks oh it could all be okay it could just be okay yeah and especially we'd had blood tests done um so we had um bloods when I went into A&E and they got us to come back two days later and they were like if your HCG levels have doubled we're not worried because you know that's a really good sign and they had so we'd sort of been sat in this position of like oh it might be an ectopic but actually it's probably not because the blood tests are all showing that everything's progressing as it should be um so yeah I mean that was it that was a huge knock I think for both of us and I think the other element of that is oh you know actually if you lose a tube then there is some loss in your fertility 
Um, so desperately wanting a baby and then being told, oh, you know, actually after this, your chances of conceiving are going to drop mm. because effectively there's less chance of it being possible. Um, that was pretty hard to hear, um, especially having sort of already suffered with the loss prior to that. So it was sort of sitting on two losses within less than six months. Um, and then we got to the month after so the July I thought I'd had a period and it wasn't so Megan you had that that tube out that first tube yeah first tube out lovely um keyhole surgery recovery time everything else started to sort of feel like myself again so that was the end of May did you know about the whole um the the fact that the tube can go and get the egg from the other side yeah so they did explain I didn't know that. all of those it's things amazing, it's amazing it? it's so clever so clever so effectively even with one tube it can still access both of your ovaries which is like the coolest thing ever mm-hmm. but so so random and they're sort of like yeah we don't really know how this works but it, it does it just mm. does I was like okay well we'll just we'll, we'll roll with that I didn't know until I, when I was pregnant with my son, um, they said to me, yeah. they could, I had the, the first scan and they said, we can see that he's come from the left over, this baby is, this pregnancy has come from the left ovary. And I went, no, 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 that's not possible. I haven't got a left tube. <laughs> and they were like, Laurie, you're a nurse. You should know this. And, and they told me and I was like, wow. No, but why would you? It is this assumption that people have this knowledge, yeah. and like, how? Why would you know that? How would you have any idea mm. that that's a possibility without having been told it? Isn't it mad though that all this, like, you know, we have this sort of the, the woke generation, and yet we don't have a fucking clue what's going on inside our own body? <laughs> I find it. But I yeah. found that really difficult part of losing a baby: the fact that I was. I had no idea what to expect after I found out that the baby had died and I'd had a mis- miscarriage as well. And <clears throat> yeah. I didn't know what size it would be. And I was too afraid to ask because I felt like so ignorant. I just, you know, yeah. how can I, how can oh. all this be going on beneath the surface? And I have no idea. It was just, I just found it really sort of humiliating is probably too strong, but you know, a, a real It's life- embarrassing, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah, it is yeah. embarrassing. It's just like, how can I not know this about my own body when we, when we sort of, you know, we're all womanly and great and amazing, and then yeah, actually, yeah. who knew? I've got, I've got no concept of what this is actually going to be like, and, and I also don't necessarily think. I mean, my experience, in as much as it can't, it's not exactly a positive experience. The, the staff were really lovely, mm-hmm. who I had to deal with in that scenario. Um, and they were sort of really, they would sort of explain things really well and they were really sort of comforting and and they were as good as someone can be in that scenario. Mm. But even then, I remember being told when I left the hospital, oh, you'll get some mild cramping. (laughs) I mean, I don't know anyone who would describe what I had as mild cramping. I I obviously haven't had a a living child and haven't been through labour, but the cramps I got after that procedure felt like contractions. Yeah. Oh, after your DNC or the or the ectopic. Yeah, after the after it's called an MVA. Um, mm. so after that, I wouldn't exactly describe it as like cramping. I think I suffer with fairly uncomfortable periods, and 
that was like one period on steroids. Like it was like a thousand times worse. Yeah, that's a great description. (laughs) Yeah, it was just horrendous. So I found that I just wish they would just be honest and just say, this is going to be really awful. I think though, because I didn't have that, I didn't have that pain. And I think the fact is they don't know and everyone is so different. I mean, admittedly, I took every drug that they were offering me because (laughs) what can I say? I like drugs. But (laughs) they... um, I didn't I, yeah I didn't really have that pain and I think that they don't know and it varies so much from person to person but they need to tell you that you might have it right they need to know yeah. that that's a possibility they need to say exactly. you might bleed really really heavily and soak yeah because that's my that was my thing I thought I was dying I lost so much blood so quickly yeah that I genuinely thought something something else has happened something worse something's fundamentally gone so wrong so wrong because I was so yeah. I was where they didn't say oh you know don't don't wear nice clothes or I mean why would they say that but you know I was wearing normal clothes when I got into the hospital and I was soaked up to my shoulder blades in blood and I was like I think I might be dying yeah yeah well mine was oh my god because they tell you before this procedure that that there's a really small chance that they might perforate your uterus and I'm sitting there thinking oh my god they've perforated my uterus I'm gonna die I'm gonna bleed to death and I'm going to die yeah. because I'm in so much pain. This can't possibly be normal. Mm. And I mean, they were sort of obviously happy before they discharged me that everything looked okay, but that doesn't necessarily in that moment make you feel reassured because yeah. you're sitting there thinking, well, maybe they missed something, you know, yeah. it happens. And we're so bloody English that we don't want to go, actually, no, no, no. Can you come back? <laughs> because I'm, I, I'm pretty sure I'm dying. Um, yeah. And you've just waved me out. And I think you're going to be done for gross negligence if you do not read my notes again and sort me out. But yeah, I totally, exactly. I totally get it. It's a horrible feeling. But you don't want, and we're so English that we don't want to make a fuss. So we just go. Exactly. I just left okay. quietly sort of like tail between my legs thinking, okay, I'll just go home now. Because, you know, it's the best thing to do just to go home for like afterwards. Yeah. And like, you don't want to make a fuss. So you just go, oh yeah, okay. If, I'm, if you've said everything's okay, I'll just take that as gospel and I'll just go. Yeah. You're the ones with the training. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And I don't, I don't understand gynae. It's not my area of expertise by any stretch. Mm. So I just sat there and went, okay, I'll just do as I'm told. See you later. Thanks very much. Yeah. So, so what happened after your, after your surgery then, after your ectopic? So, um, was expecting things to take a little while to go back to normal because of what had happened with the, the miscarriage. Um, got to sort of six weeks afterwards which actually fell at a really awful time it was my cousin's wedding and um had a bleed which I I kind of assumed at the time was my period coming back um and then the bleeding kind of stopped or like tailed off enough that I thought it was coming to an end and myself and my husband had kind of agreed that we would start sort of tracking my cycles again in in the sort of July into the August so that we had a rough idea of where things were going into the next month and if we wanted to prevent then we could or if we wanted to try then we could sort of discuss that nearer the time started doing my lovely clear blue digital ovulation tests Mm. with those flashy smiley faces etc those fucking i'm so happy that i never have to see one of those fucking smiles i hate them i hate (laughs) them so much um that flashy smiley face my friend and i nicknamed karen because it was just the worst thing ever (laughs) Yeah, we're not allowed to talk about Karens on this show, but yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, so 
we um we sort of started tracking i was actually on my friend's hendu it was on sunday we were heading back from the hendu and the lines just looked really dark and i was like this doesn't look right for you know where it should be in my cycle and i kind of knew in the back of my head that i'd read somewhere that if your ovulation tests are really dark it could be a sign that you're pregnant because sometimes HCG can show up on an ovulation test as, as looking like you're ovulating. Mm-hmm. So I was like, oh, well, like maybe I should just do a pregnancy test when I get home. Having like, had a really heavy weekend drinking because, you know, I was celebrating with my friend and, and wasn't sort of overly, well, we weren't in a headspace where we were thinking about trying. And I was like, well, you know, while I've got the freedom to, to go and have some drinks and, and socialise with my friends... I want to sort of take advantage of that almost. Yeah, of course. Um, Got home on the Sunday, um, which actually incidentally was our first wedding anniversary and um, did this pregnancy test and it came back positive. And I was sitting there thinking, right, okay, that's not quite what we were expecting. So kind of took the bleeding that I'd had as being implantation bleeding. Um had been told by the the team at the hospital that if I, because of having had the previous ectopic, I needed to have an early scan. Um, so to call them when I reckoned I was about six weeks and, and to go in for that early scan sometime between six and seven weeks to, to see that everything was where it was supposed to be. Um, so sort of worked out roughly using sort of clearly digital tests by this point because I was sitting there thinking I've got I really don't know where anything is because I hadn't had a period to be able to work Mm. back to and it was saying oh you're about two to three weeks or whatever it was at that point um which is obviously the equivalent of four to five weeks because it's based off your ovulation date rather than your yeah yeah sure period date it's all very confusing isn't it they don't don't think they make any of things simple um so rang them because I'd had a little bit more bleeding and was a bit worried and was like well you know I had this last time and this was a sign that it was an ectopic and was told oh no don't worry about it wait till you're at least six weeks we don't want to see you before then there's no point um and then it was the week before on the Monday before I was sort of booked in to go for this scan I had this absolutely blinding pain down my left side which was the side that I still had a tube and was like, this is really worrying. But it went away. It only lasted for about 10 minutes. And I felt fine afterwards. So I thought, oh, well, you know, could be anything. Maybe maybe it was just wind. Because, yeah. you know, you get sort of lots of bloating and stuff in, in pregnancy. It could be nothing. Went in for my scan the Monday after. And it was an evening scan. We went in at like 6 o'clock. Um, they put the probe uh, that lovely transvaginal probe mm-hmm. in and immediately the sonographer's face just changed and you just know don't you once you've had bad news on a scan you just yeah. know that it's it's not good um and she was like so it's definitely another ectopic um it looks like your tube's actually ruptured because we can see quite a lot of fluid in your abdomen um so it looks like you're bleeding so that must have been that excruciating pain that you had yeah, yeah, that that wow. I'd sort of fobbed off because yeah. I thought, oh, well, you know, it, it must be fine because it's gone away. Wow. Um, so 
we got there at six, um, had various people coming in to check me for things over the course of about an hour, um, then had a clearly not very confident registrar come in and tell us that they'd probably have to remove my tube because it had ruptured. So, you know, that meant that effectively I would have no tubes. And um, he was like, and, you know, based on the sort of criteria for where you live, I'm not sure you'll be eligible for IVF. Wow. So we're sitting there. I'm about to go into surgery where my husband's thinking that I might die because um, he's like, well, if you're bleeding internally, God knows what they're going to find. Mm. Um, so he was really, really stressed, bless him, because he was thinking, I don't, like, I don't, I, like, potentially lost a third child and also I might lose you in the same day. Um, and then... Um, we're sort of being told that even if you you're okay after this, we don't know if we're going to be able to to have any support for starting a family because the the registrar wasn't very sure what the story was with that. So I'm, I mean, I, I bless him at this point. I'm hysterically crying, thinking, right, so that's it, that's motherhood as a sort of like the doors closed. Mm. Um, and I remember being sat in in this room waiting to go down to theatre and him holding me up while I hysterically bawled my eyes out because I was sitting there thinking well how how has this happened how has so much happened in such a short space of time that we're now in a situation where we're potentially never going to have a family and if we do have a family what's how much is that going to cost us Mm. because I mean we all know that IVF is not exactly a, a cheap process to go through um and who knows what state I'm going to be in if I do get out of this surgery okay. Mm. Um, so that was pretty horrendous. I mean, I, I I really feel for him. I'm not sure how he left the hospital at that point because I don't actually know how that would feel to be the one having to sort of walk away. Yeah. Um, but effectively, I, I got wheeled down to theatre and went to sleep and, and that was it. And yes, okay, it was really traumatic prior to all of that, but... For me, once I was asleep, that that was that, and I was sort of in the hands of of the surgeons, um, and he had to just go home and and wait to hear if I was okay, and go and get me some clothes and things, in the hope that when when I got out of surgery, they they would get a phone call saying, you know, everything's okay, mm. she's she's all right. Um, so I think that's probably it's funny. It's something that we talk about. Is I definitely find the miscarriage the most traumatizing in terms of sort of still now if if anything triggers me it's much more to do with the the miscarriage and and that experience and the sort of being told we're not seeing what we're expecting to see whereas for him that second ectopic he's still quite scarred by Mm. yeah do you think seeing a heartbeat and then and then that being gone yeah I think that was the big thing for me because I think I thought, you know, we've got to the point that there's a heartbeat, everything's got to be okay now. Mm. Whereas because I had the the bleeding both times with the ectopics, I just thought, oh, there must be something wrong. And you do, um, as much as there's that little fragment of you going, it could be okay, mm. early, early bleeding in pregnancy can be normal. Um, I think in the back of my head, there was always that element of, mm, there's just something not right here. Um. So yeah, so so no tubes, um, which was pretty unpleasant. Mm. Um, 
all the surgery recovery in such a short space of time equally pretty unpleasant. Were you um when you so when you came around from the second ectopic and obviously you had to come to terms with the fact that you that you no longer had any any tubes. Mm. Um, were you offered sort of counselling, fertility counselling, or anything like that at that stage? No, nothing. nothing. So the only time we've ever been offered any counselling was after the miscarriage, which I did take. Um, spoke to a really lovely lady um, sort of through the hospital who was fantastic but it's it where we live we're kind of between two two hospitals um, so the the first time we were actually going to hospital that's slightly further away because that was where I'd said that I wanted to have to sort of give birth and that was where we'd been for the scan yeah whereas with the two ectopics we because our local hospital was a little bit closer that was where we went because mm. that was where we'd been told to go um so so two different hospitals in terms of the way that they manage things like the the hospital that's closer to us doesn't offer any counseling um whereas the one that's slightly further away they also um gave us i don't know if you've ever ever heard of the charity for louis or for lewis Mm -hmm. Mm. yeah it's like a four isn't it the number four Yeah. yeah so they gave us a memory box from there um offered us quite a lot of sort of additional support so we're really good in terms of sort of counseling you know if you need this then this is available um whereas the hospital that's a little bit closer is not quite so good with stuff like that from from my experience anyway Mm. and has there been any follow-up like with the gp or anything in relation to support yeah the gp was Great in terms of um, sorting out sick notes, time off work. Did say that if I wanted some counselling, it was there. And the the counselling I'd had, they did say that if I ever wanted to get back in touch, it was kind of like a bit of an open door policy. They would they would just take me back on whenever whenever I needed it. Um, and at points, both myself and my husband have have done that. So Connor's Connor's had some support from that side of things as well. Um, and I think actually probably needed it sooner than he maybe did it but sort of mm. typical man was like burying his head in the sand that he thought he was okay and, and possibly wasn't um but I think in fairness for both of us um it, it was definitely something that was was needed at, at different points um but yeah so GP follow-up wise was was fairly minimal um because then the, the day after my surgery we were seen by the the consultant who said no, you definitely are, are eligible for IVF um, in our area because um, we're actually quite fortunate that where we live, they offer three rounds on the NHS. Wow. Well, that's um, good. Which I know is pretty impressive compared yeah. to other parts of the UK where it's like none or one or partial. The fact that you were told that, like, but then the, just before you went down to surgery, you were told that, yeah. oh, I don't think you might not be able to, you know, like if you don't know, why say anything at all? I don't know how I would feel about being told that I was going to be infertile and there was no no plan or no 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 hope. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So so you know we're we're effectively going to make you infertile because we're going to remove your other tube. Mm. But actually, beyond that, we don't know whether you're actually eligible for any support because this person clearly wasn't very sort of clued up on what was going on in in the area in terms of what's available. But it can't be that difficult to find out. No. And I also almost think in that scenario, if you don't know, actually, I didn't need to know that at that point. It could have been a conversation for afterwards or the next day or... You've got no choice, right? You've got to have the tube out. Yeah. So actually, whatever the follow-up is going to be, 
you, you you need to have could have procedure. waited so some reassurance yeah, some, exactly we'll, you know we'll, we'll we'll look at what what is on offer and we'll give you all of the options all of that sort we'll of discuss stuff. that with you yeah. afterwards yeah agreed agreed um it's just it was just I think one of those things unfortunately the person that we spoke to just didn't know which is is but then probably shouldn't have said anything because we didn't ask it was just volunteered information so you almost think well actually maybe yeah. Just don't say anything. Yeah. So how are you now? What's going on? What's the latest? Um, so we have just received on Saturday, actually, so only a couple of days ago, our um, initial appointments to go in for blood tests and consent forms to start IVF. Um, so we're hoping that will be in the next few months, I suppose. Um, we sort of we got referred pretty much straight afterwards. So that was August time last year. Um, so it's been sort of well over the six month mark now that we've been waiting. So um I think should move quite quickly from now, shouldn't they? Hopefully, yeah. That's that's my understanding of it is is relatively quick once we get to this stage. So so fingers crossed it shouldn't be too much longer. How are you feeling about it all? <laughs> Honestly, absolutely terrified. Because it's a whole other unknown, unknown, yeah, and a whole other process that, as much as you can find out sort of little bits of information, it's not necessarily the easiest thing to get the sort of nitty gritty details of, mm. because it's so individualised. Because they they base all your drug regimes on your bloods, and they they base that on your age and and what's going on with that particular person, and you don't necessarily know what each individual person's circumstances are so um we'll just have to see I guess and and go with it and considering I'm a nurse I'm rubbish with needles I'm absolutely terrified about the injections how's Connor with needles can he do them oh he's gonna have to he's been told there's literally no no room for negotiation um it's like you're gonna have to because I absolutely cannot do it there's no way Mm. oh gosh well we wish you all the luck with that Mm, yeah thanks we hope it all goes well yeah thank you so much for sharing your story so sorry that you've been through such a traumatic time like it must feel now that you've got so much to grieve for and so much to kind of but but the IVF process has started so like make sure you take some time for yourself and time to kind of explore everything and be kind to yourself yeah we we sort of made that sort of six month waiting period a bit of a let's go and do some nice things so we've we've been away um on holiday and done sort of a few self-care things Mm -hmm. over the last few months which I think was probably needed for both of us yeah that's good to hear so I think it's definitely it's something that we're trying to be better at as a couple is is take time to do a bit of self-care in between and actually look after ourselves a bit better um, so that's probably the, the one thing that I would say has been a bit of a positive from the whole experience is we've actually probably made a bit more effort to look after ourselves better. Um, so, yeah. Wonderful. Well, keep us posted, won't you? Keep in touch. Let us know how you get on. I will do. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and just thank you guys so much for everything that you guys do because it's, it's amazing. And it's something that I stumbled across quite late in our loss journey I suppose um so it was actually sort of post the first ectopic that that someone on my Instagram was like oh I follow this this page and listen to this podcast and I was like oh I've not heard of this um because we're quite 
fortunate I suppose in some respects that none of our friends have been through mm. loss so I mean they're, they're obviously in a really nice position where it's not something they've ever had to deal with um, but then also that makes it tricky because you haven't yeah. got the same support network someone that you know has been mm. been in that situation mm. so um, yeah I just wanted to say a massive thanks to you guys because you guys are great and oh, it's been a massive support for me like the podcast Good. is is great and it's a really nice thing I know that we were when we were messaging to arrange this recording, Megan. We, I mentioned about Charla's episode. You said you'd um, you'd listen to that one. Yeah, I, I went and had a listen, and it's it's really helpful because I stumbled on it so late. I, there's no way I could have listened to all the episodes. Mm. There's so many, um, but I sort of picked through, and I hadn't realised that Charla's one was quite similar yeah. in terms of her situation. So that was that was really helpful. And of course, Amber. It's so she had both of her tubes removed for a different reason but was in the same yeah ultimately in the same situation and mm. another incredible person in terms of what she's doing it's just um like all this sort of campaigning to make things better for people which yeah. is it's nice that there's a scenario where people who've been through like the worst points in their life are able to try and make a difference for for someone else who might might end up being in the same position or might not end up needing to be in the same position for for because of the support of others so that's a really a lovely thing it's about trying to make things look different for someone that comes next right yeah exactly and if if you can do that then that's in my in my opinion it's a really positive thing and it's a it's a great place to be yeah. Oh, thank you so much. It's um, it's lovely to be able to provide that light in someone else's darkness. Um, but thank you yeah. for saying, and thank you so much for joining us. And as Laura said, do stay well, in touch. Thank you so much for having me. It's been um really nice to be able to share. Good. Good. Lovely to meet you. Good. Take care, Megan. Thanks, guys. Take care. Hi, my name is Kay Adams, and to be honest, I'm not so good with the ageing process, so I enlisted my old chum, the filter-free Cara McKenzie, to advise. Could you imagine being a porn star? The room would need to be really hot for me to strip <laughs> off. To be honest, she's not much help, but she is rather amusing. And along with some great guests, Joe Brand, Andy Oliver, Anton Dubeck, Ruth Langsford and Craig Revel-Horwood, darling, we are learning how to be 60. Listen wherever you get your podcasts.